for whatever it takes for my will to break, Lord, I'm willing to do. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to do that? Oh, thank you, Ginny. There's a message in this song. Oh. Well, this morning, just open your uh, Bibles to the book of Judges. Keep it open in the first chapter. This book as penned by the Holy Spirit stands in total contrast to the book of Joshua. In Joshua we see obedient people conquered the land through trust in the power of God. In Judges, however, a disobedient people are defeated time and again because of their rebellion against God. That's the book of Judges. Last week, who remembers last week? Ron spoke, right? Last week, Ron brought to our attention the story of the twelve spies and the report they brought back by the leaders of the tribes who went to spy the land and brought back the report. Then ten of them, out of the twelve, reported the following. Said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Remember that? I'm just uh, reminding you. The other two reported, let us go up at once and take possessions, for we are able to overcome it. And the story goes on, continuation in the book of Judges, how they entered the land, and the continuation, how to possess this land. I, uh, if I want to read the whole chapters in the book of Judges, then we'll go home tonight at 5 o'clock. But I gave you a little synopsis here, and a resume. But before us today, in the first chapter of Judges, after Joshua's death, the continuing account of the conquest of the land. Judah, as we read in the first chapter, started well. He succeeded to a certain degree. Then he was followed by three other tribes who did very well according to the scriptures. But seven of them failed to drive the Canaanites from their territory. We find that a tribe of Benjamin, Manasseh, Ephraim, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan. Oh yes, they could not drive out. They, would, they did not want to drive out the enemies from their territories. Only because, only because they did not obey God's command. Now you know me and obedience. I can talk about obedience every time I stand here before you. But you know the secret of a successful Christian life is obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. If we obey, then we succeed. And this morning... 
We are going to look at these tribes and the children of Israel. What was the cause of their defeat? What was the cause? And maybe we can say, what was the cause of their spiritual failure? What a dreadful sin to disobey God. And to have him against us. When we disobey him, he is not going to be for us. Trust me on that. Trust me. He is going to be against us. And to know that he who controls the universe and all the elements of destruction around us is compelled by his nature to deal contrary to us because God hates sin. Though he pities the sinner, but he hates the sin. We read, God gave them, in the book here, gave them up to the power of their enemies and allowed the canonized to be thorns and snares of judgment and temptation to them. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says, Now therefore... I tell you that I will not drive them out before you. They will be thorns in your sides. And their gods will be a snare to you. There's nothing more terrible in all the judgments pronounced against Israel than this judgment. What happened? What was the root of their problems? Let's look at it both together. We have about 20 minutes to to do that. They settled, first and foremost, they settled for partial conquest. In other words, they did not do, they did not finish the job. What was God? God told them and promised them. He said, go into the land, didn't he? Go, possess your possessions. We heard about that last week. And the report came back. Listen, we are going to go up to the land and possess it. Go get it. But you know, when they reached there, they didn't want to fight. They met the enemy. And the enemy many times comes not with power. They came with diplomacy. Oh, hello, welcome. They heard about them. The memory of their conquests threatened them and made all the people in the land live in fear. Remember Joshua and his conquest. But he's gone now. Remember what he did. And they welcomed them. And they started to be nice to them. And they dressed themselves in like friendly manner. And you know what? They said, well, this is better than fighting. And they looked at the enemy. And what did they see? They had, the Bible says, they had iron chariots. And they had big, large armies. And they looked at the army and said, we're not going to fight them. We better do something about that. Let's be friendly to them. Let's do something here. Let's Simply let them remain there and maybe we can coexist with them. Are you coming with me to what's going to happen? Ah, 
You're going there. We're going together. Okay. This is many times what happens to us. We'd rather make peace than fight. Especially in our Christian life. The enemy comes. And he's against us. And we saw him ferocious. But he says, oh, I'm not going to fight this fight. Oh, uh, we, we look at them and says, maybe we can win with diplomacy. You know what? The enemy is not going to be conquered with diplomacy. The Lord said, you shall fight the enemy and destroy it. Paul, in his writing to Timothy, he didn't say, my diplomacy won me all the accolades I need in this world. No, he told him, I have fought what? I have fought a good fight. You're with me on that. I have fought the good fight. The Christian life is not, the, it's a wonderful life. But also, it's a life of battling the devil. It's a battle. It's a honeymoon the first two weeks. Oh, I'm, I'm on cloud nine. How are you? I'm cloud nine. But you know, it's not always on cloud nine. Because God wants to strengthen you. And the devil, you have slipped out of his hand. Do you think he's going to sit down and have a hubbly bubbly? <laughs> this is this is in the Middle East. They smoke. They smoke. You know, hubbly bubbly. <laughs> this thing is going to cross over. He says, "Okay, I lost one. That's so. So what? No." He's going to fight you. He's going to run after you. And the Bible says, what? Fight him. Resist him. This is what they did. They said, okay, let's throw it under the carpet. But this is, this is, a, this is a problem. It will go away. Did you hear that? Some people, it will go away. It will never go away. We have to stand firm. I have fought a good fight. They did not finish the job. What did Paul say at the end of his life? I have finished the job. I have finished the course. You cannot. The Lord, the Lord could have given them. He gave them the land. What was his promise? Go possess it. In other words, I want you to go and fight. You know why? Because this way, you will use all your muscles. You will experience the victory. You will experience when you have the fight and you fight good and the Lord will give you the victory. Then you will say, thank you, Lord, for letting me go through the battle because after the battle, I see the victory and you taste the victory and you praise God because he never left you. He never forsook you. He stayed with you and gave you a great victory. We are fighting on a daily basis. We are fighting the powers of the devil on a daily basis. They looked at the iron chariots. They looked at the 45 cities. And instead of depending on God, they looked at these cities. They looked at their 45 ones. They looked at the chariots. They looked at the armies. And what, ha- what happens? Oh, and they lost their strength for the battle. 
Remember the root of their problems. That they did not believe God. Go take it. He promised since a long time. What did he promise Abraham? I want you to come to the land that is filled with milk and honey. And that's your land. He took them out of Egypt and brought them over. Yes, they declared truce with the enemy as a result. First and foremost, when you declare truce with the enemy, they see themselves living alongside the, 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 the enemies. Verse 27 of chapter 1. I will read it to you. Manasseh, one of the tribes, did not take possessions of Bethshean and its villages or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Iblim and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. So the Canaanites persisted in living in that land. They lived alongside together. You see why I didn't want to read it? Because there are so many villages. So uh, they lived alongside. Okay, when you declare truth, you live alongside. What's going to happen? You think it's going to be each one? Say, you live across the river. And we live on on this side of the river. We don't want to deal with you. You don't want to deal with us. Is this what God said at the very beginning? Go and live on the east side of the river. And let them live on the west side of the river. Is this what God said? Go and destroy them. And so many times this happens. Can we blame them? Do we do that sometimes? Do we? Do we make truce with the enemy sometimes? Let's look deep inside. Let's, let's really examine ourselves. Are there some enemies that we are living alongside with today? Oh, this is okay? This really, this is no danger, neither for me nor my children. This is okay. It's not in the Bible. So many times you talk about some kind of a behavior, but it's not written in the Bible. What's ethical for a Christian person to do? To live alongside the enemy? First, they lived alongside the enemy. I want to, I want to uh, walk with you on this one. Then a little later, we find Ezra of Israel living with the enemy. Verse 33, chapter 1. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anath, but lived among the Canaanites. What happened? They lived with them. At the very beginning, there was a bridge across the river. If we want to cross, we go there and do some business and come back. Suddenly, the business became more. And they started living amongst them. And when you live with the enemy, what happens? What does the Bible say? Who will overtake who? Who will win? Ah, you answered me. Israel began treating all the enemy as guests and used them as slaves. It says here. But they ended up by the enemy being their masters and conquerors. That's what sin does in our lives. 
that's one a little window that you open in your life and mine. This is okay. It doesn't matter. Let the kids go and attend one night party. You've opened the window. Let us join our neighbors. They have a, you know, party at the cul-de-sac and that would be okay. And suddenly drinking and so on and so forth. It, it starts with one step. The long road starts with one step, friends. They drew strong. And guess what? Fourthly, we see the Canaanite driving the children of Dan into the mountains. Verse 34. Then the Amorites forced the sons of Dan into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down to the valley. This is my place. This is my land. You say you cannot come down anymore. What happened? You've given them everything you own, and now they are rulers over you. Does that, doesn't do that? You allow a little sin in your life, and that sin overcomes you. We say that's okay. This is not in the Bible. This is, we didn't hear about that from our pastor. But let me say this. Let us make sure that we don't give a single place or single opportunity for the devil to come into our homes and our lives. We should not allow the world and the flesh even to have a standing ground with us. They did allow them. They forgot what God told them. He said, you go in and destroy the enemy. And I ask you this morning, each one you know your own heart. I'm not here to judge anyone. And it's against God's will that I do that. I'm here to ask you, you know the enemy, don't you? And you know what brings you down, don't you? Each one. Okay, look deep inside and listen to what God is saying. Destroy the enemy. Look at that weakness. Look at what you want. And that is not according to God's will. And all Satan is asking from us to drag us down and bring us down is to tolerate a single root of bitterness. One. Do you have that in your heart? A little unbelief. A little self-indulgence in the world. And he'll bring you down. That little single thing will destroy our testimony and disrupt our relationship with God. When Joshua was telling them, you are not, if you continue living in your sin, you're not, be, you're not going to be able to conquer the land. And you know what he wrote? And they laughed at him. So, no, no, no. When we go in, we are going to take over and possess our possessions. You know what he told them in Joshua 24, 19? Then Joshua, he said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God, and you are not. I hope this morning that we will be able to put our finger on any sin 
on any weakness, on anything that is separating us from our God. And that will bring us down. And it is time to possess our possessions. Disobedience. Secondly, unbelief. And thirdly, compromise. They did not expel the Canaanites and made room for them. This is what kept their fathers in the wilderness. Instead of 11 days, how many years? 40 years. Remember that. They compromised their stand. God said, yes, kick them out and destroy them. Well, what's wrong? They are good commerce people. We can do business, you know. Uh, they seem lovely. They seem nice. Are they one-minded like you? Oh, no, but we can change them. Since when we can change the world ourselves? Only God can change people. They made deals with the enemy. They wanted to play it safe. Let's hear what God said, told them in Deuteronomy 7, chapter 7, verse 21 through 24. Let's open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 7 to make the point God is talking to the people to you shall not dread them for the Lord your God is in your midst a great and awesome God and the Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little you know this is why he didn't give them the land you're, you're, uh, you are going to know why in, a, in a two lines here he says he will clear it little by little you will not be able to put an end to them quickly, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. But the Lord your God shall deliver them before you, and will throw them into great confusion until they are utterly destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hand, so that you shall make their name perish from under heaven. No man will be able to stand before you until you have destroyed them all. Did they do that? No. Someone said they compromised. They compromised. And you say, well, we, we all compromise. Wait a minute. There are differences. I want to clear that very well. It says, we compromise at home. You don't compromise at home. You exercise love at home. If your wife wants to go to a movie that is uh, a movie that is uh, like a, we call it chick movie, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> a romantic movie. And you want to go and watch a, an, action, an action movie. And then you have to say, let's go. Okay. I ask the men to, okay, tenderly and kindly go to the, with the wife. And that's okay. And that's not compromise. That's love. That's compassion. That's a little bit, if you want to call it sacrifice, you're sacrificing. 
and vice versa. These are not the compromises that we're talking about. You say we always compromise. Call it compromise. This is not compromise. This is feeling with the other and putting the other person, spouse, ahead of you and go and give them, okay, what they want. And then that will be reciprocated. So, we're talking compromising your stand for the Lord Jesus Christ is total difference. And in this church, as long as we live, no compromise. Someone said compromise is always wrong when it means a sacrificed principle. So there are no principles to, I mean, the family, you want, you want to read the paper, the other one wants to watch TV, you can come to a solution with that. But compromising is when God's principles are sacrificed. This is a great compromise and it's a sin. Remember the uncertain soldier in our civil war who figuring to play it safe dressed himself in a blue coat and a gray pants and tiptoed into the field of battle. He got shot from both directions. Paul Harvey said that. I heard Paul Harvey that. Isn't that true? I'm neither with you nor with him. Where are you? I'm in the middle. You'll be shot. You know, I wish it ended there with them. Little sins. Little foxes that come into our lives and start digging. You let a little fox, one little fox, a little situation in your business. Okay, this is, no one is going to see it. Yeah. If I let it go, I, I'll make $5,000. A little lie there. A little, close your eye, you're not here. And I thank God that a Christian must not lie, must not compromise his stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, and must always be known as a Christian. I remember a story one day. I entered my, my manager's office. Hey, hi, Ralph. How are you? Fine. <laughs> I said, oh, everybody's here, the managers. Do I have a meeting that I didn't know about? He said, no, you don't know how to lie and get out of here. I said, okay. He said, we have something to discuss, and that involves lying, and you out. I said, thank you, Lord. I'm out. Let's take a stand. Let them know about us. It didn't bother me. It didn't harm me. I was always asked to, talk, to, talk, to pray for the man upstairs for them. You know, they respect you, but they don't want to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, pray for us. It's too much for the world. Don't compromise your stand. They compromised. You know what? When they com com compromise, it's not that commerce, it's not they did business wrong, it's not they lived this way. They had intermarriage after that. God's people intermarried with the enemy. In chapter 3, verse 6. Turn the page. You have it? 
They took their daughters for themselves as wives and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. They socialized. They mixed. They found the people of the world agreeable and profitable. They did unethical business. And they went into forbidden fellowships and intermarriages of the godly and the ungodly, which has always led to a time of corruption and wickedness. No child of God has any right to intermarry with the ungodly. I repeat, no child of God has the right to intermarry with the ungodly. And there is a great responsibility on the parents, on us, and that is not to consent to such a union whatsoever. They bartered, finally, and negotiated, thinking that they will subdue the Canaanites with good communications and masterful Jewish trade. That backfired on them and simply destroyed them. And you know what? They didn't end there. They worshipped their idols. Verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7. They worshipped their idols. From a simple little thing. This is the cause of their defeat. Let us negotiate. It started. Let us what? Negotiate. We do not negotiate with the devil. Are you with me? Put that sign. I do not negotiate with the devil. Neither in your mind. Nor in the world. If it smells. Run away from it. If it's not black and white, run away. If it's a gray area, it's not yours. I want to do God's will. I want to live for Christ. I want to, I want to be the right person. I want to be an example. And this is why I say, you just look into your life and pray and see what God wants you to do. And before you leave this place... Surrender everything. Because a little sin can destroy your life. Let us negotiate. Do not negotiate with Satan. Please. I beg you. And I have to story tell you. And then we go home. A hunter raised his rifle and took careful aim at a large bear. When about to pull the trigger, the bear spoke in a soft, soothing voice. Isn't it it better to talk than to shoot? Am I doing well? What do you want? The hunter said. Let's negotiate the matter. Lowering his rifle, the hunter replied, I want a fur coat. Good, said the bear. That is a negotiable question. I only want a full stomach. So let us negotiate a compromise. They sat down to negotiate. And after a time, the bear walked away alone. (laughs) Ah, you got it. The bear walked away alone. The negotiations has been successful. The bear had a full stomach and the hunter had his fur coat.
Satan says to you, let us negotiate. But there are some things that cannot be negotiable. We cannot compromise the church with the world. Christ and his church deserve our very best and utmost loyalty. You are a member of this church, and God loves you. And the least we can do is be loyal to him. Let us not negotiate. Let's not compromise. Let us live as holy people for the Lord Jesus Christ. I leave you with these words. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, Now all these things happen to them as an example for us. And they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Are we compromising? Are we negotiating with the enemy? Are we disobeying? Are we not believing? If there is any of these sins in our lives, this is the place, this is the time to bow our heads and ask God to forgive us. Let's bow our heads. If God spoke to you this morning, I ask you to say, Lord, I want to obey you. I want to cast out everything that is not according to your will. I want to live for you. I don't want to compromise my stand anymore. I want to love you the way you loved me. I want to honor you the way you honored me. I repent. If God put his finger on one of any, any sin in your life, and mine, he spoke to me. It's us, as a family of God. Just confess it, leave it there, and go out and destroy the devil. And don't give in to him. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to meditate on your word. May we not forget that we are on the battlefield, and we need to fight until we reach the other shore. Bless each and every one. Help us not to leave this place, but to leave it alone, but to leave it with you. Be our guide, our life, our all in all. Dismiss us with your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The meeting is over. God bless you and be with you.